0: Hey, 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 it's me, Katie, here. Grab a
1: notebook and a cuppa and join me in the Sociology Staff Room. Hello and welcome to the Sociology Staff Room. I'm Duncan Hall. and unusually that I'm uh, hosting the Sociology Staff Room today. And the reason that I am is that our guest is none other than our usual host, uh, Katie Tyler. So hi, Katie. Thanks very much for joining us in the Sociology Staff Room. <laughs>
0: Thank you for having me. Uh, yeah, I'm excited. It's a subject that I'm quite passionate
1: about, so yeah. Absolutely. So you, we're going to talk today about flipped learning. Um, I think most people are probably reasonably familiar with the concept because it's been around a long time, even I'm familiar with it. Um, I, uh, 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 but just in case, shall we start with a general kind of outline of what you mean or what we mean by flipped learning? What, what is flipped learning? What does it mean to flip the learning?
0: Yeah, I mean, obviously, this is not a dictionary definition or or something that you you might get in a, I don't know, some journal on pedagogy or anything. But my understanding of how I obviously interpret and lots of other teachers are, is really sort of getting students to do sort of more of that learning, who's working harder and getting them to see what bits of your curriculum the students can take ownership for themselves and sort of do that learning themselves. And it isn't a case of, you know... um, one for a better word just getting them off doing something just so you can have some peace uh there's got to be a, an outcome that will benefit the students rather than you to get on with some marking for an hour or something like that um it's something that's going to enhance their learning basically um yeah, yeah.
1: <laughs> so by flipping it we mean that the kind of the they're gonna do the the learning the content
0: yeah at, basically.
1: Ho- at, at home or something like the outside the classroom and then the yeah class- generally
0: yeah generally yeah. outside the classroom there might be a little bit of flipped within the lessons so the sort of mm-hmm. I I see it as two things so you also got the flipped element outside the classroom where they're doing sort of content and I'll talk about that a little bit in a minute but also that you could also flip it within the lesson itself so you know often that the, the the idea maybe this is you know something that I, I personally feel comfortable with being is not the ex, necessarily the expert within the classroom. Um, especially with something like sociology where it, it's constantly changing and, um, and there's always new research. So it could be a case that, you know, I feel like I'm more comfortable saying that I'm not the expert, but I'm the facilitator within the classroom. So if a student asks me something, either I might know the answer to it or might not, or I pretend I don't know the answer to it. It depends how <laughs> I'm feeling. And I'm like, oh, that's a really interesting question. Tell me more about that. What do you think it means? Or why did you ask that question? So it can come in two forms. Yes, it's definitely, for me, it's definitely content within, uh, without, outside the classroom that would help inform the lesson but also flipping it within the lesson and sort of throwing it back to the students and getting to really think about I suppose the posh word for that is that metacognition yeah like mm. that sort of thinking about thinking um, yeah. why why did you think that why did you ask that question so I suppose it takes two forms for me. Mm-hmm.
1: I I have two sort of kind of uh inbuilt fears about flipped learning so I thought if I if I articulate those <laughs> and you can tell me how you you deal with them so my first one is this is the point about the um, them doing kind of the content at home and then doing more of doing something with that in the classroom you know having activities in the classroom that that begins on the assumption that they've got the content from outside and my first one is well, what if they haven't so you, you you've got all these activities in the lesson and it's like oh so you've been doing this or you've been reading this or you've been doing that well actually I didn't and then you, it kind of disrupts you, <laughs> what you were going to do, um, and, and, and how do you handle that? Do you do you then tell them it <laughs> anyway, so unflip it and, and go into lecture mode so that they know it, or do you uh, or do you say, oh well, we can't do, we can't do what we were going to do now, them so. Um and then what no. and then what do you do? So so that's my first fear. Sorry, hold 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 that thought. No, and, then my, going on. and then my second fear, which I think is a very common one among teachers and it's kind of the reason why some are reluctant to do this. Um and I know the answer really, but I'm just pretending pretending I don't for a moment, is you know, I think a lot of us have a feeling that if we haven't told them something they don't know it obviously it's quite possible that we tell them something and they still they they still don't know but that kind of idea that there might be some of the spec that we never actually directly tell them in the lesson it's like oh no then therefore they can't possibly answer a question on that because i've not i've not told them it okay so those those are my two fears if you like so do you want to start with yeah. the first one i'll yeah. start with
0: the first one yeah so i mean mm. i'm gonna answer the second question in, a, in like it said in a minute just yeah. partly because it was what i uh, the bit i flip but the the main thing i flip is the AO one okay so the knowledge understanding, which seems a bit crazy because you're like why are you flipping the stuff that if that's wrong how do you analyze it so this the second part of your question really but the i know what you're saying that there is always going to be and the fact is there is always going to be a very small and i promise you this right so i've been doing this for about 20 years now so in each school so worked in three different schools um, and with all different types of students from all different abilities I've also done it at GCSE as well so year 10 students and yes there is always going to be literally one percent of students maximum two percent of students that are not going to do it my question to myself do I let that this is where my master's coming in my other 98 percent of students (laughs) not Get the benefit of flip learning which i'll explain again in a minute versus the two percent and i always think well actually maybe this sounds the majority over the minority doesn't feel very sociological maybe but basically that's I take. Yeah, yeah it is i was about to say that um it doesn't it doesn't sound very fair but hmm. it only takes that once and i know that sounds like very like i don't know like it sounds awful because it's like well it only takes that one. but it is because in the other two the two percent, the one percent, will definitely realise it's not something that's going away. Now, in order to get those high volumes of, of students that are doing it, which I honestly, and I'm not just like blagging it because I'm just saying it for the sake of it, it is, and it is literally just one student. And even that one student that hasn't done it, they've partially done it. Generally, it's not they haven't done it completely. Um, it's a setup. So, so really, it's what you put into place in order for it to work. So, when I say flip learning, I genuinely, this is what I do: I get the students to flip. The, the studies so within a topic say education I select X amount of studies that they're gonna gonna need I generally go for more rather than less because I have sort of philosophy that if students know more they're gonna remember obviously just a percentage of that if you go for if you go with the other sort of low odds there's gonna be less yeah, yeah. To if you give them five they're going gonna remember two if you give them 20 25 then they're gonna remember at least half of those and I know it's not all about studies but um, but they need to know the concepts next to them and yeah, i feel yeah. like for some reason they tend to remember them both together um so we we'll make sure one that they've got a really sick amount of time to do it not too much time that it feels like they've got forever to do it uh, and then it becomes something they do sort of two days before they do it so that's the first thing i think the magic formula is two weeks if you if you're teaching them every every day the next thing is giving really clear parameters on which they're expected to do it so it's you know what information do you need them to know the name of the study, what the key words associated with it, maybe some evaluation, what theory, and then you model it. Uh, the second thing is really sort of it depending on your students, but for me, all groups of students, whatever sort of year group I've worked with, whatever school I've worked with, is give it almost giving them the resources so they're not searching on the internet, giving the books, even saying what page numbers to that point. So it is quite micromanaged in that respect. So it might be obviously. You know i'm not gonna lie i do heavily use the two to two, uh working companion books uh, the sort of the topic companion books um, i why think I that's it up you? really well <laughs> why would, because do you know what because, do you know why i'm not just saying this because i, I, I to do stuff for two to you i've used lots of different resources I yeah, think the, yeah. the key things are two things it's contemporary so a lot of the resources are there are contemporary the other thing is an online resource I'm not saying don't use any others, but I think the fact that it's online is you're not gonna have that risk of books being kept at home and you never get them back. And then the second thing, and I know there's something that you're you're working on or we're working on, is it's updated. So once that's on there, you've got that online element all the time, (coughs) okay? Um, Obviously you can signpost other books. I'm looking at my own little personal library there. You can do that, but I think it's having those pages already sort of signposted uh, and doing that. Going to your second part of the question is what happens when the students don't do it? what i tend to do is it is two students so what what do you think i do i get them to work with someone else in that class they have access to that information but what they don't do is they don't have it because it's that person's and then they have to have that maybe uncomfortable conversation I don't know but that sort of you know it's a collaborative conversation they need Mm -hmm. to be working with someone else and then they soon realise oh goodness I need this you give them extension you wouldn't do it obviously in front of them with their peers that's not fair you'd have a conversation you might find out what the barriers to learning why that might have been you wouldn't necessarily penalise them because there might be a reason Mm -hmm. for that and basically support them in that process but you then give them an extension and do you know what 100 of the time they've all got it and they do and the other thing is if you're going to use that flip learning it can't be just that one lesson to use it so like for example the studies so if i'm doing class and education i don't tell them the names they're going to have i go right look at your your notes uh pick out three names that you would use from your list that you've researched at homework that will talk about class and education the thing that i focus on in the lesson is the AO2 and AO3. So the AO1 comes in from outside the lesson and then is brought in. So the second part of your question is, well, say if they don't get it right, well, actually, if they can't analyse and apply it effectively, you're then an assessment for learning, you know they haven't got it correct. So if they're talking about, which is a common one, you know, Marx and Durkheim, they use a lot of the same concepts and they think that Marx really likes inequality or whatever it might be or, or the other way around. Actually, very quickly, you can see that um, so, when you're saying maybe doing the role of education, and you're like, okay, pick out three names to talk about the role of education, they pick out like Parsons, Durkheim, um, and Bolton um, straight away through their application, your analysis, you can see where there's errors in their learning there. Um, but it, it takes away that sort of, you know, that dry bit of the lesson where you're going, right, mm-hmm. and Gintis says this. Da, 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 da. So, yeah, that's. They're the sort
1: of two parts of the question. I realise I've just waffled there. No, no, not at all. So that that's really interesting because actually I was going to ask you about testing the knowledge if the AO ones done outside the classroom or outside, whether it's in it might be in class time but not not front delivered if you like. Um, how you test their understanding of it? And you say that largely that happens through what you were going to do anyway. The, the AO two and the AO three anyway. Or do you do like kind of? quick quizzes and the sort of retrieval practice type yeah, stuff as so, part of
0: it the... yeah multiple things so the first thing mm. i do is you say the homework's due on a thursday for that so it was like a two two week piece of homework i would get a uh waggle and sort of put that on the board and they self-assess there so there might be sort of ones that they feel they need to do and sort of do i know it's quite in vogue at the moment which is sort of whole class feedback so i would sort of go through things where there might be particular uh, common errors or something like mm. that. Uh, obviously, if that student hasn't done that, they still have to write notes, because that's be the one they add on to when they do their own one, and, and they're sort of looking at someone else's at the same time. Uh, and then it's through retrieval questions. So like, I've moved on to another topic. And um, now I'm, I'm doing sort of the finished education, and I'm sort of doing sort of the methods in context element, but I'm still revising the one. So I might be saying to them, uh, you know, give me three names that talk about gender and education or three Mm. key concepts. Um, So it's through the retrieval practice. And obviously within the lesson, when you're covering that topic is, is seeing how they apply and Mm. they evaluate. Um, Yeah, and then the next thing I do, which is the end of the topic. So before the end of topic assessment, is I get them to reduce their names or their studies down to literally one word or two words. So like when they first do their piece of homework, they might write a couple of sentences about Um, I don't know Bowles and Gintis for argument's sake it's a bit more of a paragraph because they don't really understand it they're just sort of copying it really and at the end of the course they're sort of able to say Bowles and Gintis correspondence principle um and keep it really quite simple and from that they can sort of a bit like I suppose is it called Cornell note taking or whatever but basically Mm -hmm. reducing it down um and again that's Then that also shows evidence they understood it because they're able to take something that's quite large and reduce it down into one to two words, and then create a sentence from that. Um, So yeah, there's multiple ways of of doing Mm -hmm.
1: that. I mean, out of interest, have you always tended to teach this way, or was there a time when you were much more not necessarily lecture-like, but you know, like kind of uh, giving the spoon-feeding the students with all the the content, or have you always done it in a flipped way?
0: I've always said so basically I, I'm really lucky I'm not going to give I'm going to give credit where credit to you. there's a guy called Warren Kidd which I don't know if anybody out there in the sociology world knows him um he was a teacher where I first worked he was actually head, head of sociology he's also writes books on sociology sort of I'm looking up his book now um, and I know people have referenced it um on our Facebook page he also is now he left sort of teaching in the classroom he's now a lecturer at east london university and he taught like that and it just really resonated with me i was i was a, a sort of newly qualified teachers training i used to sit i wasn't actually actually even qualified i started off as a learning support assistant, and i said to him i would really love to become a sociology teacher uh can i in my freeze sit and watch you at the back of the classroom and that's basically how i became a teacher and i was just so inspired how he could literally do not very much but the students knew loads and my question to myself was how did he get to that point Mm. how did he get all the students working so hard without doing that and that was one of the things he did uh which was was flip learning so personally i've never not done it because i've seen it work um so yeah
1: because i was going to say that i reckon there'd be a moment for a lot of teachers of trying to change to a flip learning um process that might feel very uncomfortable because there's a sort of safety net safety blanket whatever the there's about be- probably a better metaphor out there somewhere mm-hmm. of having everything on the powerpoint or everything in a in a booklet that you give to the student i mean i know to a certain extent you said you you give the references and things to the students so you are kind of giving giving the content mm-hmm. to the student are you but there's that there's somehow there's a thing of feeling well it's been it's there i've i've said it they've read it they've i've seen them write it down in their notes i've checked their notes all that that kind of old it might is it fair to say it's old-fashioned i mean these things come back into into fashion from time to time don't they a sort of more instructional um approach if you like um you know there's there's a psychological thing from a teacher's perspective it probably can be quite you know, annoying from a student's point of view. Although I'll come on to the student's point of view in a moment because I think sometimes students think they prefer a more passive approach, whether they do in reality is, is another matter. But um, so they, you know, from a teacher's point of view, that kind of is quite, uh, you know, there's quite a psychological break to think, I'm not going to use this PowerPoint I've used for the last 15, <laughs> 15 years. I'm going to get them to do this bit and we're going to do do the skills yeah so that that's that something that sort of came to mind while you're talking and the other bit is the student experience because um you know and again it's what they're used to isn't it if they're if they're used to it being flipped you know then then it's fine but if they're used to quite a lot of the lesson being them sitting and taking some notes and and absorbing the knowledge of the teacher through a process of osmosis or whatever then suddenly not getting that can be quite unsettling even from a student point of view of like kind of oh well am I am I learning it if I'm not being told it you know um I don't know if you had any thoughts on on either of those yeah I mean I
0: can hear what you're saying definitely I mean I suppose my sort of I mean, I—it's not saying that my my way is the right way at all. I just—I think, think
1: it, it probably works. is. Sorry, I'm not. I'm just. It's uh, to be, yeah.
0: and I love talking so much, which you you know, actually in the classroom, <laughs> I like my conversations to be. I suppose, like, I love the AO 3 I love that discussion, that debate mm-hmm. and how quick, and there's two reasons why I, d- I do this sort of t- style of learning. I think sociology it can be so content driven that you, mm-hmm. you could easily run out of time uh, yeah, because you spent yeah. so much time. And I think it's a way to to save time, Although that's not the reason I do it. I don't do it to save time. Um, I do it so that skills are developed rather than than that. But the the unintended consequence is that you are able to finish really teaching by February half term generally. And so you've got that, because I feel like there's another thing I like doing, which I don't even know if it's a word, but I think someone told me, apparently it's called spiral learning where you teach it all again. So I teach it quite relatively quite quickly, I suppose, because the content's outside Mm. the lesson, but it allows me to sort of reteach it again from February half term to the exams so that we can pull everything together because sociology is so synoptic. And I think that that's down to the flip learning because we haven't spent time, but I know what you mean by the psychological element. I can, I can think, I suppose it's a safety net, isn't it? do you know what my safety net is? It's my resources. So myself, I love an empty box, like tutor to you do. I love an empty box. And that empty box, knowing that has to be filled by the students, is my comfort zone. Uh, I'm also okay, weirdly, with them not being filled, but I know that there's that guide there for me. Um, I suppose I come from maybe like a student perspective in the sense of what I liked to the students. So I remember being a student myself, and the, the, where I was quite passive as a student in those lessons were the lessons that I just end up daydreaming or planning what I was going to do that weekend or what gig I was going to go I'd put Melody Maker in between my uh, book <laughs> and do that so um maybe there's an element of me remembering what it was being like as a student uh, I think you said about the student's experience um yeah I think I think the students are a bit confused if they've got a diet that isn't sort of flipped and then, like I said, you get that 1-2% that probably think, oh, are they really going to make me do anything? Is anything going to come of it? Um, yeah, and and I think those, some of those students do want to check their understanding a little bit more. But it's giving them the confidence. Like I had actually an incident like today where I think where students have sort of said, you know, oh, is, is this right? And I'm like... What makes you think you don't think it's right? So, again, a bit of metacognition. <laughs> um, I do come from, I've done counselling, coaching, I suppose. That's probably another side bit. So, I was like, well, what makes you think you haven't done it right? What, what's what's making you question that? And they're like, da, 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 da. Okay, well, show me the evidence that shows you th- it is right. And they're like, well, I'm not sure. Right? well, what did you get in your recent exam? And they go, oh, an A or a B or whatever it might be. So, do you think you know it or you don't know it? Oh, I do know it. Okay, there we go. And do, so I think you it's just you never just tell them the answer,
1: do you? <laughs> no. I actually, you know Being
0: my friend is really annoying. If you speak to any of my best friends if you don't want an answer for something, don't come to me because I will always <laughs> just put it back on you. I'm yeah. like, well, what do you think? What 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 do you believe? And I think that's the key. I think for me, maybe it's my own imposter syndrome, and I know we've come across that a lot. Yes, I don't think I am an expert in, in sociology. I think... I know i do know a lot about it because I, I you know as a teacher but actually the students are so on the button with stuff like this you know they're you know the world of TikTok and stuff and i think that they can contribute as well i think where i'm at where i suppose my skill set is in the pedagogy um i'm just I'm gonna not, play, uh, I'm gonna yeah, play go devil's
1: advocate for a moment yeah. because yes you do have very good pedagogy mm-hmm. skills but you do also have a wealth of sociological knowledge which mm. the students don't don't have no are they are they are relying on on you for more than facilitating through a, a lesson aren't they they, they are relying mm. on your expertise i know you don't like to to, mm. tend to think of yourself as the expert but you, you are in that classroom you are yeah. the, you are the, definitely the expert and they do rely on on you um and obviously you have your way of getting them to mm-hmm. to discover it themselves, which I think is the I think is absolutely the the right way to do. Um but you know, if you know, imagine for a moment it was another teacher, brilliant teacher, but not a sociology teacher who was in the room, you know, they wouldn't be getting the results and things at the end of it. So it, it is really about your expertise and, and what you know about the yeah, subject.
0: Yeah, I suppose it's knowing when to answer those right questions or not. Like, So if like, a student does say something and they analysing or applying it incorrectly, mm. um, I'm not one to go, oh, you're wrong. Because <laughs> that's not like, you know. Well, they might be had, wrong though. Do you? Then, I say, that's right. I'm going to phrase <laughs> it like, and so now and I'll give my clues away. I'll go to the student, it's a really good attempt, it's really interesting. <laughs> okay. If you go back to your notes, yeah. does that actually say that? So I don't go in like no, you're incorrect. I'm just like yeah. okay, let's let's have a look. Let's look back at what you've just said. Let's rework that. Let's go back to the original, you know, sentence that you have in your books or you've written notes on. Does he really or does she really say that? Or yeah. what evidence is there for that? So I suppose it's through asking the right questions at the right time. Hmm. Um, I think it goes back to that thing on oracy. You know, sometimes it's letting those students work that through in their heads themselves. And I think there's yeah. lots of evidence to say, if students talk it through, work it through themselves, mm. it, you understand it more. And that's why as teachers, we know it so well, because we've spoken about it, you know, 15, 20, mm. 30, 40 times that we've spoken about it. And that's how you're able to talk about it. Whereas the students there, they've got to process, that. They've got to fall in love with sociology and find that out for themselves. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I mean, I think that I remember that uh, that session on I you know, was it it was something which I, I remember thinking you know about that thing about what yeah you know, and it's a th- standard thing that gets said at in teacher training things doesn't it about the percentage of the lesson that's you talking and the percentage that's the the students doing whether it's talking or or, or whatever um and i and i think even when i've observed teachers that really do do the flipped thing pretty well that they still it's still them for quite a lot more than that proposed <laughs> um you know formula i can't remember what they can't even remember what the uh what, what the proportion thirty or something yeah. something like that um and i think even where you know the teacher is very much taking a facilitating role they probably do end up you know being the the center of what's going on for more than thirty percent it's quite i think that's quite rare that it would be that or less um as you alluded to earlier, you do enjoy a chat, Kate, it would, well, <laughs> how, how much, just out of interest, how much of the lesson would you say was you talking rough, roughly? Honestly speaking, I reckon it's going to be, oh no, I honestly think, I think it's 50-50, but I sort of tend yeah. to, what I tend to do and
0: I've noticed a lot is a sort of, and again, I said. I think I've said this before. I feel like I'm in fashion again with regards to teaching. I've been out of fashion, and now I'm in fashion. <laughs> so I sort of we do a sort of a model at the beginning. So say if we're doing I don't know some AO three, um, and we're evaluating a concept or something, I might model that with the students. Like my modelling is a bit of like a bit of them. I might use like a, a visualizer, which is old school as well, yeah, yeah. Um, and then I get the students going off to do like the next bit. So then if we're looking at, I don't know, Marxist key concepts or something, and I might give them all a Marxist key concept each to evaluate and start thinking about. And what I then do is rather than sort of whole class talking, I just start chatting to small groups yeah. uh, I just, but that's my way of sort of checking understanding and yeah, yeah. doing that. Um, so yeah. I sort of, rather than doing whole class talking, I sort of go around. Yeah. You talk to talking, the group. Uh, yeah. And
1: do, and- I, do you feel that the groups are carrying on with what they should be doing while you're doing your yeah? small group? Yeah,
0: probably. I hope so. When I generally look at that's a good, really good question. Um, yeah. Obviously, it's, it's, I tend to time things, so I've got a little mm. timer on the board, so it's it kid quite focused. I like I like five six minutes. That's what I tend to do, um, and then I, I I'm sort of body language is massive for me. So you can sort of see yeah, yeah. when students you, are not doing stuff. And you start to
1: get and, a little murmur of yeah. stuff that sounds more like. And if I say it's perfect, like, yeah, yeah, what are you doing the weekend sort of stuff.
0: Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> but yeah, no, I, and I sort of call it back that way or, or yeah. if you know, that sort of thing. So, yeah, I think it's, I think it's, a, do you know what, it goes back to what I said earlier. I think it's establishing those routines um, and it's not perfect by far by any stretch of the ma- imagination. Um, you know, not every lesson's gonna be off words outstanding or whatever and whatever it is. It's it's about being um, reflective and, and thinking, well, how can I do that back better next lesson? Uh, which is sort of I suppose a different sort of conversation. But you yeah, know, I think I think for me it's who who's doing the learning. And I always think I want my students to be doing the learning. I want them to be making those cognitive connections and those light bulb moments. Um, and it's not about me, because I've got the degree, I've got the master's in sociology, whatever it is. Um, I haven't got a PhD like you, Duncan. Um, unless <laughs> anyone wants to do a GoFundMe on that, maybe. Um, but, you know, I think yeah. I think for me, I want those. You know, that sort of like moments in your own life as a, as a, as a student sociology, where you're like, oh, like it might not always be like moments, but mm. it's gonna all resonate with you, your own your own story, your own narrative, mm. and so. It might click for a student in their head because of yeah. experience that they've had a lived experience or whatever that might be and actually you can't you can't teach a talk that because no. for one of a 43 year old woman do you know what I mean like mm-hmm. so me talking about whatever as a concept applying it to myself um won't apply to them so i think it's you know making them do that for themselves
1: yeah i mean just again playing devil's advocate a little bit i'm just thinking about some of the things which i have really stuck with me sociologically over the years and like i've mentioned before that um one of my lecturers at at york was um taylor and i remember people used to crowd into his lectures even if they weren't sociology students people would come and watch because they were so entertaining um but a few of the things that really sort of stuck with me particularly to do with kind of um kind of goffman and presentation of self in everyday life and that kind of thing was very much from his lectures but it i read the book as well and i read and i went and did the the research that i was meant to do for the seminars and stuff and that i remember quite a quite lot of that but the stuff that really sticks was actually him telling us about it in a in a lecture and and, and there was something about the way he put it and explained it that 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 got through to me in a way that maybe it wouldn't have done if it was just me finding it out for myself. And so there is something to be said for for the role of the uh, teacher as the expert and as the explainer as well. I'm just I'm just you know, putting that out there as definitely. I am i am not I'm definitely not a fan of like was it it what's the word like of, like I don't
0: know, not having a teacher in the classroom. I just <laughs> think it's um yeah. it's using your skills maybe to tell those little antidotes or to sort of watch the body language or oh. to, I think the for me, it's, it's not that the the teachers that need it, it's just the AO1, I think, yeah, yeah. do it very simply like assessment objectives, it's the AO2 and AO3, it's like to yeah. watch then how far, what evidence is there for yeah. that, and really sort of pulling it apart and listening, so like where there is contradictions in what is being said mm. or how does that fit with or whatever, mm. and obviously as you go on the course that... Is improved. I feel that like the relationship yeah. of you being less talking, talking, talking improves as the course goes on because there's a wealth of knowledge. I feel like I feel like there's more talking going on at the beginning of the course um, yeah. for lots of different reasons. Partly because the students are nervous. Uh, partly because they haven't got the necessarily the they sociological don't. Don't. vocabulary no, no. or mm. um, yeah. But I think it's it's using that ex the expert whatever that you know within mm-hmm. the classroom, from pedagogy and a sociological perspective, is to stretch and challenge students. Um, yeah, absolutely. And that's yeah. it. Because I think of like, I'm thinking now I'm thinking of tennis, I don't know why, it's because my children play tennis. But like, you know, like some of the coaches and stuff, they're not the best tennis players, otherwise they'd be like the tennis player, wouldn't they? They would be that. Yeah. Like, whereas it's, I feel like the teacher is like the coach in the sense that they're sort of bringing the best out in the students. Mm-hmm. There we go. That's what I'm thinking.
1: Yeah. <laughs> No, I think I think it's really interesting. I I I could go on about this for forever because I, I find it really fascinating. Because you do sometimes, because I, I agree with you, and I, I think it's the right way to to run a lesson and run a course. I do think there's a lot to be said for the teacher explaining things and students getting it because the teacher can explain it in a way that the textbook or the resource doesn't. Mm. Because you know you've got that relationship and that interaction with the teacher, which you don't with with even even a two to topic company you have got a different uh, yeah you hearing someone explain it can 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 really help. And I'm sure that that happens in your classroom with everyone oh, in the you know, yeah. listeners' so classrooms. Think, that, that's, it,
0: yeah, it, definitely a concept of like misunderstood, you know, like yeah. there's a misunderstanding. I think it's just knowing, does mm. the student just, what, What's why is the student asking that question? Is it because they're be, Is it being passive? Is it because they just want mm. you to, to tell them the answer and yeah. they don't want to work it out for themselves? Or is it because they don't have enough confidence in themselves and they do yeah. actually know it? And that's all through a, like, assessment for learning. Or is it because the student just genuinely got to, when well, you have to stop the lesson and you have to go, yeah. well, 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 I think, you know, you we've all been there. This. I definitely me. Yep. you know, Marxism, we're, we're three months in. And some of you still, by the way, <laughs> they don't like exploitation. Write yeah. that down in really, really big writing because I'm going around and a few of you still think this. I don't know whatever yeah. that might be. Of course yeah. you have to and do this. So you wouldn't yeah, let you them get awesome And there's lots of examples. Yeah.
1: Definitely. Yeah. Because I think sometimes when people do the sort of tennis coach, analogy or i mean i think tennis coaches is i think tennis coaches a better analogy actually because they do know about tennis you sometimes get like the idea that someone that the expertise is really in the the coaching and the facilitating and it doesn't you wouldn't need to yeah a tennis coach does know how to do backhand and, <laughs> and all that kind yeah. of stuff don't they? even if they weren't the uh even if, if they didn't win Wimbledon or whatever, whereas sometimes there's this kind of idea sometimes and I've heard it from some people that have come in to do you know, teacher training and and things that it's, you know you know, there's a the whole set of skills between teaching and facilitating that really have nothing to do with the knowledge Um, and say that you, you know if you're a good teacher you could teach anything sort of thing and I do feel that you know, knowing stuff is quite important as well
0: (laughs) Oh, definitely, because you wouldn't be able to ask those coaching questions, would you? You wouldn't be able to ask if you didn't know. Don't want me picking on Bowls and Gintis for some reason. (laughs) But if you didn't know, you wouldn't. I know you wouldn't necessarily Mm. know what when to ask that question. No, you know, or or think of a. Oh, say for example, you don't tell them what names are similar, but you might say, "Oh, can you think of a name that might support Mm. that or a study?" Or you might go, "Oh, how might." So and so agree with so and so. So, you might bring in the two names, but you must have that knowledge to go. Yeah. So, you're not telling them why they agree, mm. but can yeah. you think of a reason of how they might agree? And obviously, sometimes there is that awkward silence. And I think that's another important thing, isn't it? That time. Uh, and sometimes it's so awkward that actually you do have to say something. Yeah. But sometimes it's, it's okay to
1: leave it. You, yeah. It's okay
0: to leave it. Uh, and that yeah. all comes with practice, doesn't it? And and I think Ooh. we're all learning and sort of always improving. Um, you know, students always ask, I feel like every year I learn something different. Or some, or sometimes I learn from the students, but also some years, I hear it, hear it, hear it, and then there's just one year that it just really resonates with me. So, like, two years ago, we were teaching uh, sort of green crime and ethics and um, exploitation, and obviously you hear it and you talk about it, and obviously morally you think that's wrong. But there was just that one, there was one group of students that year, for whatever reason, asked some really sort of powerful questions, and I, it changed the way that I shot, you know, from my clothes. Right. Um and I, and it's it stayed with me um and obviously by that point I'd already been teaching 15 years but for some mm-hmm. reason whatever was said in the classroom on that day yeah. made me reflect about my own practice so and my actual real practice as in not as a okay. teacher so um yeah i think sort of yeah. yes yeah i think you can also learn from the students as well um, absolutely
1: you can you absolutely can and i think that sort of you know i think that kind of experiential learning is that the right term yeah, yeah. Where the students bring their own experiences and their own life to it is so important i think in sociology in particular but in lots of subjects probably as well um that you might lose if you were just feeding them lots of powerpoints of content and that was essentially what you you did in the lesson then the idea that this it can all seem terribly abstract and terribly you know this is something that we learn about for this hour and a half or however long the lesson is but doesn't really Mm -hmm. have any relevance to my life and in fact it has huge relevance to everyday life doesn't it and it's oh and think, yeah well that's the and, name of the book isn't it you know absolutely like, very, and, if, yeah. <laughs> and if you if you can uh, get the students to to think about it in those terms that's that's a victory i think Anyway, mm. thank you very much, Katie. That was really, really yeah, interesting. No, I really enjoyed. I just want to say one thing. Oh yeah, I
0: was just thinking about Laurie <laughs> Taylor. Sorry, let's yes. go back to that. But I think there is something to be said, and this goes into more Weber, but the idea of that charismatic person. And I think that mm. might be something to do with. It. I don't think. I think there's something special about certain lecturers. We've all had them, whether that be a classroom teacher or whether that's a lecturer at university. Um, and we're not going to sort of name those that don't. But Laurie Taylor is definitely someone that does. And I think there's something about. The charisma yeah. uh, and that gets people engaged. I'm sure mm-hmm. we can all think of lectures that you've had, and yeah. you probably can't remember one word they said in a lecture as well. Yes.
1: So there's a, there's a skill beyond the knowledge, isn't there? There's the skill of, conve- <laughs> of conveying that knowledge in a, in a, in a way that, that, that stays with you, as you say, in a charismatic or entertaining or, or whatever way that not everybody has but you I mean you have that in Bucket classes. you see oh so of you're, course you're, of you're, course well no but, no, but you do you're a, you're a very entertaining presenter you know but um and, it, and and it's it's not like there isn't one way to do it is there I mean if I no. if I went up and tried to do a Laurie Taylor impression I'd, I'd 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 get it I'd get it terribly wrong but you know you 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 have to find your own way of oh definitely. Of doing doing this but yeah yeah Great stuff! So, <laughs> <laughs> thank you very much, Katie. So it's been really interesting talking about it, and I hope people have found it useful and got you know spent a bit of time thinking about how to teach. Yeah, because it doesn't it doesn't mean that people have to completely change what yeah. they do, because um, you can do a mixture of things as well, can't you? And it might be that you decide perhaps in the first instance to flip one topic or flip one area, maybe th- research methods. think of something where actually. Teaching the content, you've got a bit bored of it, you know. The, the and, you've, and you and you notice the students sort of glazing over a bit when you do, it, and think, well, actually, maybe I'm going to next year, I'm going to do that content differently, that topic differently. Let's flip that and see how that goes. And I think the chances are, you know, like you're saying, that actually you'll think this is better. This is I'd rather do more of it like this. But yeah,
0: yeah. and it's just one way, like you said, it's just one yeah. way. It works for me, but it might not work for someone else. And mm-hmm. you know, everyone's going to do what they feel comfortable with, definitely. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Definitely. Absolutely,
1: <laughs> great stuff. Well, thank you very much. Katie. Thank you. All right. See you All soon. All right, take it. Bye. Of
0: course, we'll see you
1: soon. <laughs> Bye. The Sociology staff Room is brought to you by Tutor to You Sociology. Find us at Tutor to You forward slash Sociology, or follow us on Twitter at Tutor to You sock or Instagram at Tutor to You sock. You can also join our very lively Facebook groups for sociology teachers. See you soon.